Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam, and I regret existence. <laughs> yeah, uh, as uh, as November is upon us, uh, people who um, didn't check out last year, we uh, take the month off from reading mangas each week because uh, we got two authors who love their NaNoWriMo. Uh, so we instead watch something much more manageable when you're writing 10,000 words a day. Well, not, not quite that many, but you I know what? I don't know how it works. <laughs> Sometimes it does feel like that. But yes, <laughs> it is much easier to watch a, a movie than read a whole bunch of manga. So Full Metal Alchemist, The Revenge of Scar. It did get that sequel. I don't know how. So full disclosure, I have not watched the first one since we did that last time. Mm hmm. So it's, it's been about a year. I do not remember the plot of the first one that well. I don't think this movie cares if you remember the plot of that one that well. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to remember who the Elrics are, I guess. I don't even think you need that, truth be told. Well, yeah, because yeah, mm. here's the thing. The, the first thing the Elrics say is they're going on the train to the state alchemist exam. Certification test, yeah. But they already are a state alchemist in the last movie. That's why he has the watch. No, I think I think uh, this it, is a plot point from the um, anime and manga. That's to like reinstate the license because uh, it, it might be a recertification. Regardless, the movie does not explain that to you. It does not. Mm -hmm. Like literally, we were back and forth about whether it's like, wait, I thought he did pass his state alchemist exam. So why is he going back to central? I thought this was already like taken care of. But the only the only reason I know that is because it's a plot point in uh uh two thousand three. No, no, because okay. I, I saw 2003. I, I know it's a plot point in 2003 where he has to, um, the state alchemists have to retake the exam every now and again to prove they're still worthy of it. But the movie does not tell you that. That is entirely background <laughs> knowledge from, from actual Full Metal Alchemist. Interesting. Gotcha. That is all left up to your interpretation. But we do not actually open on our dear plucky protagonists. Oh, no. No, no we don't open up on Mustang. No, we uh, get we get the silver alchemist to kind of my, my man looks like a pogo stick. <laughs> I mean, a, a fancy man I, in a fancy suit. Yeah, I would not have gotten silver from him in first glance. I mean, I guess because his hair or lack or thereof. His mustache. His mustache, mustache is kind of silver, I guess, is he, he looks like um the uh, the headmaster from Spy Family. Yeah, he, he does. Do, he yeah. Kind of does. Only a he's... rounder version, a little rounder. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. He's he's human shaped, uh, <laughs> so which is actually a rarity in this movie. Surprisingly, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> but he is uh, challenged to combat by a stranger on the bridge. He is walking across late at night, an uh, Ishvalan warrior monk uh, who does not give his name. He is only known by. The large scar on his forehead. Mm -hmm. See, fans, we got scar in there. Will you forgive us yet? Oh, you already gave us your money. We don't Do care it. then. Where the hell was he last movie? I, I mean, last movie. <laughs> so here's the thing I will say. Last movie had a very noticeable problem where the first fight CGI was pretty good. And then the rest of the movie had terrible CGI. This movie learned don't spend all of your budget in the first 30 seconds and then 
like coast on the rest. It's just purposely mediocre the entire way through. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like they actually paced it out, which I mean, fair. Yeah. And like to give credit where it's well, probably not due. So I guess I'm being generous, but uh, the fight between the silver alchemist and Scar isn't half bad looking. I guess it is <laughs> oh mostly in the dark. He pushes him underwater. Yeah, I was going to say at first, once they get <laughs> underwater, when the it is, ends, it's real dumb. I I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I could not breathe. I was laughing that hard because that's just this fight is like literally two minutes long. It's punch, dodge, dodge, punch. And then he jumps up and he's just like, aha, I scratched you. And Scar is just like, oh, you call this a scratch? And he's like, oh, no, my leg. And then falls into the water and then is apparently incapable of swimming. Incapable of moving. <laughs> Like, he does not fight it at all. He just sinks to the bottom, and Scar is then under the water. does not dive in after him. That'd be too much work. He is just under the water. And, like, Scar <laughs> is in here now and grabs Scar- him by the face. Oh, yeah, no. The best part is Scar isn't even swimming. He's just gliding forward in the still water. <laughs> so this river is, like, leagues deep because you cannot see the bottom of this river. <laughs> I mean, Scar- I- First, because I didn't fully remember, like, remember what Scar's power. I'm like, did he paralyze the Silver Alchemist? Like, what was going on there? They're kind of floating there like logs. And that's generous. The other thing about Scar in this movie is his arm can basically do whatever the plot needs it to do. Yes. (laughs) There is no difference with how he interacts with everything, but they will have drastically different results. It's like, it's like. It's the destruction arm. That's the thing. It, it, the destruction and recreation part of alchemy. He's only got destruction. It, this allows him to send shock waves that explode things into particle effects that cause damage to our heroes. Well, I mean, essentially, he has like a dynamite arm. Like it's not just mm-hmm. destruction and things go poof. Like it literally goes off like a stick of dynamite. It causes things to literally like break apart and cave in, kind of thing. And I mean, like as as hilarious as I found this comedy, um, <laughs> the uh, one of the things I couldn't help but notice that was a genuine irritation to me is that one thing that Full Metal Alchemist every version does so well is it differentiates Scar from the other alchemists. In this movie, there is no difference. There are a lot of cases where um, the Elric brothers will do things that look exactly like Scar's thing. Mm-hmm. It, it takes away everything that makes Scar notable. <laughs> <laughs> Except for his backstory, which they tell you five minutes before it becomes relevant, but we'll get to that. And then again, and again, and then, <laughs> and, again. Keeps, and then they will cut the backstory halfway through telling you to it, give you a scene in modern time that adds nothing, then go back to the backstory. <laughs> <sighs> oh my gosh. Oh, we'll, we'll get to the flashbacks eventually. <laughs> But Scar teleports into the water, explodinates the Silver Alchemist's face. and I guess th- we don't see I, that. I guess. And then we cut to Ed and Al boarding the train. Notably, uh, watching the English dub, uh, Vic Mignogna is not reprising his role for the, like, dozenth time. Well, how about probably, that? Probably for the best. Yeah. 
<laughs> Probably. I, I think between when the first movie came, well, he was in trouble when the first movie came out, but I, he's now very solidly in trouble mm-hmm. for this one. So they probably chose not to work with him. Yeah. Yeah. And new guy does his best. I, I forget his name. I am sorry, actor. I will look you up later and add you and, and add me saying your name in post. <laughs> I wouldn't bother. <laughs> Hold on, Sam. No, you won't. I'm not doing that work. I have to edit these. Oh shit! You're right. <laughs> uh, editing Matt. You're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so the Elric brothers are going to board the train because they got to get to Central for taking a test. Are they ever on time for this train? No. In fact, the train. In fact, the train is actively <laughs> departing, and they somehow get on it. Yes, that is never. This is you're oh. on the train now. And you know, as is the case with trains in a mistress, they are held up by everything, like terrorists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, okay. Here's the thing that killed me. Uh, I remember from last time, uh, one of the BBEGs on top of being Show Tucker was uh, General Hakuro, who we all thought was an OG character uh, f- from our episode on on the movie no upon some further examination general hakuro is a character from the source material he is the amestrian military officer who is uh supposed to be on this train that's being held up oh god (laughs) yeah that explains the stupid plot point that happens later in the movie but he's dead after last time with the cum zombies. So oh God, don't bring up the cum zombies. <laughs> this movie sure doesn't want to. No, that was traumatic for everyone. Viewer. and <laughs> Yeah. Like also, uh, I think we'll point out here cause we, we get to see our boys. Uh, Al does look better. They, they upped the like metal texture. So it looks, it doesn't look great, but it looks, his movement Better. is also smoother, a little smoother. I did notice that. It wasn't like pasted in kind of feeling as much. And best of all, he, every single scene that involves him doesn't have to be a green screen. So he's allowed to exist in the movie slightly more. Except for some reason, this movie loves just making scenes happen in green screens for no reason. Like that <laughs> fight, that fight on the bridge was a CGI bridge. Yep. Oh, but um, also, uh, I wanted to point out, Ed does not have his like anime cosplay wig on. Yes. He appears to have actually dyed his hair or they did a more realistic, dirty blonde. So more realistic. I, he still I, has like bright yellow. So I did notice they did so a decent like bleach job. It looks really realistic. So it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, yellow. I mean, it still is yellowish, but it's more like a. I guess, realistic yellow. It's not as stark. It blends into like something that would be more realistic as opposed to plop. There's this wig on your head now. It's anime yellow. So it's it's like you would mm-hmm. never go. That's a normal human hair color. You're just like, I believe that's hair as opposed to plastic. <laughs> the actual obvious wig. Yeah. The, the Elrics at the very least blend a bit better in this movie. <laughs> but uh, they are now confronting these train jackers and yeah, they, they, uh, they have a brief conversation with uh a uh a foreigner from the east 
<laughs> oh my can i do one of my complaints about this movie right now is they do Go. a lot of setting up a thing that's supposed to be a secret but do so much like wink wink nudge nudge at it you're like okay cool i i get it J- just move on <laughs> or tell them what it's about don't just keep having people huh i wonder why that guy was like that mm. it's like just just stop just stop having characters talk to each other just move the plot along <laughs> <laughs> yes. that's the thing they don't have any plot to move along fair but yeah <laughs> it, it's everyone's uh favorite ling yao <laughs> the, the it's man boy, lin yao the man from zheng <laughs> I, I will I will say this much for the movie. Ling Yao was pretty funny, like when he was supposed to be. He, yes. he was very well cast. I liked his actor. He did a mm-hmm. lot of good comedic. Bit. <laughs> the, the part where he's passed out on the ground, I think, didn't play well in live action. But aside mm-hmm. from that, he's very good. Yeah. Yeah. The tendency of Xingyi's uh, people to pass out from hunger and get stepped on by the Elrics. It's definitely the sort of thing that does not translate well into a live into action. Live action, yeah. I mean, I'd have two nickels, but it's weird that it happened twice. <laughs> <laughs> so Ling and the Elrics uh, battle the bandits, which they kind of handily defeat them until one guy goes and decides to start blowing things up with a grenade. And well, now- no, that's the thing. That's not the bandits. They're going after the band. The bandits run away, and then <laughs> they're stopped. By Ling Yao's personal bodyguard is like, no, we're going to interrogate you for secrets of immortality. And then he just starts. And then one of them does. This is her favorite move is grabbing a grenade and blowing it up right next to her. I was like, (laughs) please. And it's just like, and they, they blow up an entire train car. Except Ed is alive basically Mm -hmm. unhurt on the side of a train car everything is destroyed then on the roof of the train car adjacent you see her also completely unharmed and alphonse is just like how (laughs) (laughs) this is never explained by the way i I love how al has become the straight man (laughs) for the entire movie (laughs) he's gone from fed up with everything to the straight man a natural (laughs) evolution of his uh, character sounds too generous, but still, we get an awesome top of the train fight between um, Ed and the uh, Kenochi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. He almost gets knocked off the train, and then be- I can only assume because they needed his actor for the flashbacks later in the movie. It's uh, <laughs> that's the only reason why he he rescues him. The uh-huh. I, I'm he, uh, Hughes. Yeah, Hughes. Lieutenant Hughes is up there on the train, grabs him from falling off, and Ed's just like, I know that's not you. And then it just turns into envy. It's like, yeah, sorry, can't let you die. Okay. Everything is envy. (laughs) (laughs) Your human sacrifice can't let you die. Bye. Just uh, for the people at home, you might want to have a fun drinking game. (laughs) Every time something is revealed to be envy, take a shot. I love it. You'll be pretty drunk by the end of the movie. (laughs) <laughs> i'm pretty sure one of us is envy right now yeah, just statistically <laughs> <laughs> look to your left look to your right statistically all three of the people on that couch are envy there's no reason for envy to be here other than envy is there to keep ed alive i, yes. I can only assume that's what's happening because it makes no sense otherwise he's just playing the freaking guardian angel well, actually, sacrifice. 
I guess you could probably get away with saying they were traveling with Fuhrer King Bradley, because spoiler alert, mm-hmm. if you haven't actually watched this, and I don't blame you for not, um, he's who's the MVP. He's, he's yeah. who's on the train yeah. with no guard. <laughs> yeah, why is the fucking leader of a mistress on this train with no guard? They, I, I guess they were just hoping that some state alchemists happened to be on the ride as well. Well, because here's the thing, Fuhrer King ba- Bradley knows he doesn't need a guard. But then Envy also might have been on the train as a guard. Like, maybe? I, I don't no, know. No, yeah, see, I don't, see, no, that, that makes sense from his perspective, and that's obviously what the filmmakers were thinking. Here's the problem. Nobody's supposed to know he's invulnerable because that reveals he's a homunculus, which no one is supposed to know. So he should have a guard. He's on there with no military guard. But here's the thing. It's not like he secretly took this train ride. There was a squadron of soldiers there to greet him when he got off the train. At Central, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, also, let's get off the, the top of the roof. Um, people just, also, my favorite part, the uh, scenic countryside they're riding through the entire time is just looping B-roll. It's the same <laughs> set of trees. <laughs> and, well, they, do, they do have a plastic one for Envy and... Uh, yeah. Uh, for uh, Envy and uh, Ling Yao Ling to, fall, to into. fall into. I'm like literally just like just fall into the trees. Not, you mm. know, also, how you typically would like avoiding branches on the way down. Like just fall and melt into the trees. Every single one of the main characters jumps off a moving train with absolutely no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's an extension of the other power that literally every character in this movie has of, of teleporting into and out of scenes, whatever the plot <laughs> deems it required. Yeah. But um, regardless, what what has happened is the people are just planning to crash the train into the train station mm-hmm. because they've got an MVP. It's going to kill everyone on board. Um, and Ed decides, I got to stop them. I'm going to do alchemy. Brother, you can't. It's too much. He's just like, no, Al, I just got to slow it down. If I know if I stop it, it would cause it to derail. And then he does alchemy. But because they're in the middle of the scenic countryside, I can only imagine he transmute these rails like several miles. Because like it right. goes straight into the city. <laughs> Yeah, they're in the they're in the scenic countryside. Central is still miles off, but Ed is able to do this. And at that point, what he does is he bends the rails upwards like the ramp on a fucking roller coaster. I I was so confused. I'm like, so you're going to make this crash even worse by launching the train into a public space? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it through the roof <laughs> we've already established there's like no passengers on this train because obviously that's the only thing that makes sense no because oh the worst God. thing is it somehow works despite the fact that the drive wheel does not ever leave the uh thing no the, the engine should still be running <laughs> no one stopped the train the train just coasts i guess and the worst part is the squadron of military people waiting for Fuhrer king Badry is there at attention where he gets off as if the train isn't like several oh, feet up in the sorry, air. Sorry, it's Fuhrer <laughs> President King Bradley. Uh, it is Fuhrer, <laughs> he is not Fuhrer King Bradley. His first name is King. Fuhrer he President King. Fuhrer President space King Bradley. That's not the movie's <laughs> fault. That's just a genuine problem I have with Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. King, King is his first name. So he's not Fuhrer King 
Bradley. They he's forgot pure. Czar. They forgot Czar Emperor in there somewhere. He's Fuhrer <laughs> King Bradley. But I guess they had to make him the Fuhrer president in this one. <laughs> For some inexplicable reason. And it had to get past the censors. Oh, jeez. I mean, so, it's anyway. not like that part of the metaphor or anything, but okay. Yeah, so it's, anyway. I mean, controversial opinion, it's just the same as when parents name their kid prince or king. It's that cringy. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, the entire point of this is an excuse for Mustang to be at the train station so that Ed and Al run into him so he can tell them about the serial killer of state alchemists running around. At which mm-hmm. point we reveal Scar has already murdered seven people. Yeah. This is important to remember for how they treat him in every single scene. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I will give the movie this one iota of credit for their restraint in not somehow also having Winry here. Yeah, Winry is not in literally every single scene. Uh, they also stopped dyeing her hair. I, I went a little bit face blind and thought it was a different actress, but no, it's the same one. It was it was to the point where Jake and I watching the movie were like, did they get a different actress who's not I, as a list? But I mean, like, I literally was confused by her, too, because I thought they dyed it. But like Matt pulled up a, a photo and like they just changed the style. It wasn't like changed. She, color. She's I'm like, like a I, dirty. She was less blonde in the original. She She had like mm-hmm. naturally dyed hair as opposed to like the wig everyone else had. But in this one, they're just like, she's a brunette. And I'm like, fine, whatever. That matters so little compared does, to... Yeah, no, it doesn't actually matter. It was just kind of funny. Yeah. But, um... And then we get to see the... Imme- <laughs> yeah, she wasn't in every scene. And we get to see the illustrious Semestrian military uh, at their finest again. Uh, someone shakes their shoulder once as they're being carted away and they're able to successfully break away and, and uh, bum rush uh, Bradley. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that happens again. <laughs> this is just a chance to show off. Uh, did you know that Roy Mustang is the flame alchemist? We have no faith that you watched the last movie because you probably yeah. didn't. Well, here's the thing. I don't think this movie expects you to have seen the last one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these could very easily be watched like individually, yeah. completely in a vacuum. And normally I'm fine with that. But the fact is, this character literally just goes, did you know he has special gloves that when you snap them, they cause a spark and then he uses that to make his flames? It sure would be bad if he ever came into some kind of moisture that would stop the flames from happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> when, <laughs> you don't when, okay, even go that okay. far. I was just like, dude, this is elementary, man. Here, here's okay. the thing. In the, you, in the, you didn't need this scene. What it sets up is not worth spending this time on it. I think the audience is smart enough to know with everything else you gave them in that scene, what's happening there. This is just okay. not having faith in your audience. Yes. I mean, okay. I mean we did okay. choose to okay. watch okay. this movie, so that is a pretty big <laughs> knock on our intelligence, isn't it? Yes, yes it, it is. But OK, in in the actual source material, the scene where Mustang confronts scar in the rain and mustang can't make his flame that is a character informing moment of of mustang's arrogance he's so like arrogant and cocky that he forgets his own weakness and so hawkeye has to step in and save him in this movie when common everyday grunt soldiers know mustang's one weakness 
and then he forgets it, it makes him seem like a fucking idiot. <laughs> and guess they what are- happens? <sighs> and then it and then it still happens because we have to get the iconic scene of Mustang failing his f- failing to get it up in the rain. Uh, and and there like so uh, many times canonically are weird. <sighs> but um, how, how this gets to be at that point, because we did skip straight from the strain to here is literally they walk out of the meeting of um, like, hey, did you know there's a serial killer running around? Also, important thing to remember. The Ishvalan civil war was nine years ago. <laughs> Just so you um, know, that'll be important. For you to remember when you see characters that were supposedly involved with it nine years ago. I know, yeah. that bothered me so much. I'm like, <laughs> we'll get to nine it. years? But after getting this plot dump, they are walking on the streets and then find Scar within. <laughs> oh, they're not walking on the streets. Mustang assigned some guards to watch Ed and Al because there's a serial killer of state alchemists loose and that plot point matters so little because they immediately dip them like it's (laughs) they immediately dip them because they're shown in pro tags who don't need no guards don't need to be babysat Mm -hmm. honestly considering what happens when the guards do catch up them in the presence of scar i think they'd have been better off without them anyway but wait before they run into scar very important they run into may May is not, not May. actually very important. It sure is the character that exists in this movie. Not to say very important, she literally doesn't matter in this first scene. Yeah. I'm just saying what appearance. really irked me for people who know the series. May, I enjoyed her character in the original and Brotherhood. She's supposed to be a little girl. Yeah, she's she supposed not- to be small. This is an adult <laughs> actress. Adult woman. Mm-hmm. Because like oh. May's naivete is supposed to be a, a like extension of her age and innocence. In this, she just harbors serial killers because she's stupid. Yes, it makes it worse. Well, here's right. the thing. It's, it doesn't even seem like she's stupid. It seems she just genuinely doesn't care about the serial killings, which is mm-hmm. worse. <laughs> like. <laughs> anyway there's a scene where she does the exact same joke that they did with um ling yao ling yao that they did with ling yao earlier literally you are probably about 20 minutes away from this joke happening the first time they do it again mm-hmm. and then she just she's just a giant jerk to ed and mm-hmm. like in the original series, that made sense because he was more of a jerk. And this, he just legitimately went like, I don't think we should actually help her because we're currently trying to do something. And this seems like, well, you were going to abandon me. So now I hate you forever. <laughs> you, you shrimpy, shrimp. li- you shrimpy little midget ant boy. <laughs> and well, the joke is supposed to be the joke is supposed to be that someone makes a passive offhand comment about Ed's height. And he's the one who adds all the extra stuff. Yeah. An attack. I'm like, geez, girl. Also, I'm, I'm going to point out none of us have mentioned it yet, but uh, she does have her panda there. That oh I'm little Jamey. We don't learn its name until like the very end of the movie, but um, this panda is in the scene. No one acknowledges it in this first. <laughs> <laughs> right. No one acknowledges it, which makes it so weird later how else. Al is with Xiaomei and is like, so what even are you? Are you like a cat or something? This panda is the worst CGI in the movie. It looks like a mobile game ad. 
Like <laughs> it's like, oh, you've met this character, this thing before. Uh, he kind of vaguely mentions like he should know who it is, but like no one acknowledges it in their first scene mm-hmm. at all. And the, anyway. the CGI work on it is pretty bad. Like mm-hmm. when um, May is holding it, you can see she was clearly just told to pantomime holding something and her <laughs> hand like goes through the back of it occasionally. And I'm like, I, OK, you, <laughs> you have to work with that, I suppose. But like. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But that geez, we're still not on the important part. Uh, she runs <laughs> to Scar. S- says. Oh man, protect me from this guy. And then Ed's like, okay, I guess. And then leaves. And then she's like, okay, cool. Thanks, buddy. And then some police officers come and is like, hey, that's a serial killer. And Ed's like, oh, a serial killer? Guess we're going to fight now. And Scar's like, hold on. Let me kill two police officers right next to you. Dead, dead. Okay, I'm adding to my body count. Now to fight you. And then Ed's just like, I will never acknowledge you just killed those two men right next to me. <laughs> now, we, now we will fight. I will summon uh I will summon free plug-in visual effects to fall out of a wall threateningly near you. Oh, <laughs> the fact that all of the stone structures they make have a bark texture to them is so weird. Aww. Like it's like stone trees coming out of the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and like there's a there's a point when Ed and Al are, are running and they create a wall out of the ground. Oh, that's so Scar, well, that, and like that's, that looks bad enough. But well, that's Scar, Al using circleless transmutation. Oh yeah, one of the many times <laughs> Al does that. One of my okay. Jake pointed this out during the during the viewing that he and I did. He pointed out Al doing circleless transmutation first. It didn't twig to me for some reason. Uh, pro- probably because I'm used to the actual series where, like, the point Al does actually get that at one point. But I, I think technically the first movie Al might have learned because he got sent to the Portal of Truth. Like, that's I actually did not forget and nonsense. Uh-huh. But I actually think did he not might have, that. I think he might have done that. Because I had to yank him back mm-hmm. and there was the whole interaction with the like the first movie makes uh, no sense that they would then do this plot line for this movie. I guess. Yeah, but, but the, fact, of- the fact that <laughs> the fact that it took three of us to remember that plot point should tell you something, audience, because oh, yeah, I didn't remember that either. Um, yeah, no, one of the most entertaining elements of the, watching this movie for me was pointing out to Sam all the times that uh, Al did uh, Circleless Alchemy. It was hilarious, and, as were his reactions. And I subsequently screamed. Yeah, we we, we scared his dog. <laughs> Poor Clyde. He did not deserve that day. Uh, but um, so anyway, the fight comes down to um, Scar completely decimates Al's body then grabs Ed's arm and in an amazing series of writing fails to deconstruct his arm Ed removes his jacket he's like auto mail no wonder my arm didn't work now for me to destroy your arm first with my <laughs> arm and I'm sure there's a reason in the lore why that makes sense the movie literally just says the thing I did didn't work now to do it again, but this time it will work. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure the actual in-lore reason is that deconstructing organic matter versus inorganic matter is actually like two separate processes. And Scar had no way of knowing that that was an inorganic arm in the moment. 
Well, yeah, because the important that's explained in the fucking source material. Yeah, but not here. The big thing. And and again, this actually goes back to one of my biggest not funny haha criticisms of this movie. Uh, so it makes sense if you don't know the chemical composition of something. Well, the way alchemy works in the Full Metal Alchemist universe, you need to know the chemical composition of something to break it down and reshape it into something else. He thought he was going to do it to an organic arm, but it was actually metal. That's why it didn't work. But the movie does not bring any of this up. It doesn't even really acknowledge. I mean, it kind of does, but it not doesn't the flashback. But it, that's it, it, his brother doing it, so it doesn't matter. And it's and it's so much later in the movie. It's near the end of the movie when it's somewhat talked around the fact that Scar is technically doing alchemy, whereas it's pretty freaking clear that Scar is doing some kind of weird, dangerous, like killer alchemy uh, in every other version of this story. Anyway, so what happens is our scene where also during this fight, it starts raining very subtly because I did not notice it started raining until I was like, wait, no, it is it, actually raining in this scene because the sky it, does not get darker at all. No, it it it's, when very, it's very subtle. No, it, it's raining when they're fighting in the alley, too. Yeah, it starts uh, raining like it starts drizzling and then progressively like turns oh, into wait, like a... Don't worry, Sam. I can forgive you for not noticing because, again, the sky remains clear and blue. Yeah, Yeah, the lighting does not change. And to be fair, I was also very distracted by Alex Louise Armstrong showing up (laughs) with his terrible, his terrible green screen masking. Armstrong looks like he has a brain tumor. I know! His whole character design is just like they emphasized the wrong parts. They gave him a helmet, basically, and then, like, skin masked (laughs) it. But the thing is, they made his prop to be like a European guy that then mixes into his Japanese actor. So the top of his head is a completely different skin tone of his face. I'm just saying, um, to their credit, they did choose, like, somebody who looked like he went to the gym. He was pretty buffed. <laughs> yeah. and that's but, not but he was not arm, But he was not Armstrong buff. Mm-hmm. And then they chose to, instead of really, like, you know, emphasizing, you know, maybe his shoulders and his chest the right way, they... Made him look like some kind of mutant. <laughs> they stretched his chest and yeah. then made his pecs like big and buff, but he still got his scrawny real life arms. <laughs> oh yeah, my god. Just so, so that fortunately it looked awful. And the fact that also it comes up later when they're in the restroom, but like oh, his no, hands. I want to talk about the restroom. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Oh my god. <laughs> But anyway, so Armstrong's there. They have a cool fight. Uh-huh. <laughs> From what I remember when I wasn't laughing at how bad he looks. Well, yeah, because oh, okay. what I was about to mention, what I was about to mention of, you know how last year we said it would be completely fucking stupid to try to put Armstrong in live action? Well, they yeah. put Armstrong in live action. <laughs> they called our bluff. Obviously, listen to the podcast. Yeah. Just, okay. Is that a of shame or honor? I can't tell. I, I know everybody on Twitter has pointed this out already, but can we talk about when Armstrong punches the ground and there's a very clear masking outline around his hand? <laughs> like, 
I'm so sorry, VFX team. I don't know what the crunch for this looked like, but it was clearly Whoa. inhumane. There are, there are multiple scenes that just watching is very clearly one character standing in an empty room talking to another character standing in an empty room. And I'm just like, this entire thing mm-hmm. has been made in CGI badly. And I'm not blaming the VFX team because clearly they made this entire movie. Like, mm-hmm. there is no set design here for some reason. Because of the one set they have is that, like, Italian village they had from the first scene, except that was in a desert for some reason, but whatever. Um, yeah. And, and the 10 extras that are, like, the same 10 extras, just there was <laughs> never a crowd scene with more than 10 people in it. Which, I mean, like, this is not shocking. This is exactly what you would expect of, of shovelware like this. But, um... The uh, the thing that I couldn't help but notice is in the last movie, so much of the budget went into making the costumes and the set design look really freaking good and true to the source material. They focused on a bunch of parts that didn't matter. Well, this is a sequel to that shitty movie that nobody liked, so they didn't give a damn and they just did everything in a fucking green screen because that's faster and cheaper. So you took away the one good thing you had going for you, movie, to, to mm-hmm. the shock of no one. Uh, do we know when well, this came? Do we know when this came out? I think it came out this year. Well, I, I doubt that severely. I think it came out on Netflix. Uh, uh, Matt, just look this up. Yeah. Well, Matt's looking that up. Roy Mustang and the rest of the backup squad does arrive. Mustang gets caught in the rain. As I complained about before, Hawkeye like, shoots <clears throat> bullets out of guns. It's Hawkeye a thing that happens somebody. in this movie. Oh, oh shit! It did come out this year. Yeah. Hey. So I, I'm going to assume there was some COVID production because that would make sense why you've got these scenes where two actors could have been in the same room but weren't. But weren't, especially in Japan. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: that does like actual restrictions doesn't make it look good. So uh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Yes. They had to do make the best with the conditions they were dealt. Oh man, well, IMDb, IMDb is showing me the trailer for this movie, and I've never felt more lied to. <laughs> 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 Look, honestly, they, they did have the option of just not making this movie, and I feel like that would have been the safer bet, but here we all are. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, the, uh, the thing I really, uh, Sam and I were just screaming when Hawkeye actually got to shoot at somebody and like, it was an, <laughs> it was an actual scene where Hawkeye did the Hawkeye thing. Cause it's like, yes, she missed Scar, but Scar has plot armor. Like, th- like she actually did the thing. She did the thing. She shot people. I, I shouted so many times, just shoot Scar. Cause bullets are his weakness. Like, yep. <laughs> except he apparently has super speed when he needs to, I guess. But I yeah. think that's also a problem in the source material. So whatever. Um, it, he escapes by disintegrating the ground into another stock effect and falling into the void that exists beneath Central. Oh, we there, yeah. And I love how I love how he's so persistent about pulling that trick that Ed actually lampshades it at the end of the movie. Oh, <laughs> that but, um, was legitimately funny. <laughs> But anyway, we have the whole scene of Hawk, of Roy Mustang being like, ah, oh, Mel, my gloves don't work, but we still caught the guy anyway. And then we cut to possibly my favorite scene in the movie, which is Roy Mustang, after having done this, realizing it was an ish fallen they caught, just, well, he escapes, but whatever, mm-hmm. um, is in the bathroom and is doing the, like, war 
that thing of like looking at the blood on his hands, trying to wash it off in the sink going like, I can't. I failed. Ugh, I can't even remember the children I've killed. And then you just see a flush and then Armstrong lifts his head up above the stall. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> is having a PTSD flashback in the sink and Armstrong is just there taking a fat dump. Like, Being comedically tall. <laughs> I will say, okay. I will. Okay, so, so two things. One, an important thing about the scene where Scar escapes uh hilariously they really 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 want you to know they got this character's eye color right because uh sam called that out last time oh my god this fucking killed me when jake pointed it out yeah they they did the fucking color contacts for scar he's got the reddish volan eyes why don't ed and al have the gold xerxes eyes (laughs) well you see sometimes the actors have sensitivities to contacts which is fine, but you can obviously do this like in post editing. Well, so. but like, but like the thing that we <laughs> we brought this up last time—that's so much work to do. But okay, then don't fuck with anybody's eyes. Then why are you so heavily emphasizing Scar's goddamn well, eyes? All the Ishvalian have red contacts in because otherwise, I don't think you'd be able to know who they are. Who they are? Yeah, that's fair too. I love this movie repeatedly says, hey, you foreigners, get out of here. And it's all Japanese actors. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying um, that's your Western privilege going on. And you need to like chill that. <laughs> we, we, painted the, we painted them vaguely brown and put yeah, some ash in their say, hair. You're not going to be checked here when they just brown faced an entire swath of actors for the. Yeah. You can see the tan lot, the spray tan lines on some of them. Like this yeah, is it's, yeah. it's pretty overt. I'm um, going to say that on some of them, it does. It does pull off. It looks like they got some sun on others. It's like, did you literally just spray them with brown paint? <laughs> uh-huh. you're not wrong the other, budget uh the other thing i wanted to note is um i actually like here's the funny thing i actually think that the bathroom scene is like the one good scene in the movie only in isolation because uh-huh. i think that the i think that uh there are a lot of cases where this movie will have like really bad dad jokes and then wink at the audience almost literally mm-hmm. and it's it's insufferable but like the armstrong standing up because he's comedically too tall for the bathroom stall like that was well comedically timed and it it leads into a pretty freaking heavy scene where the two uh <laughs> actors are you know like like the two actors are performing it well the voice actors do a good job of uh conveying it in english and it's it, it's good use of of film language you know i mean like mirrors and sinks are like pretty blunt tools in that regard but hey this movie set a low bar from the word go so i'm gonna give it its credit where it's due but like it doesn't belong in this movie (laughs) also jacob unfortunately that's why i love it so much because it's so serious but the entire time you have to look at how bad Armstrong, Armstrong is. Yes, that's, yep. no, that's exactly what I'm saying. The, the bones of the scene are actually good. This one scene in the entire movie. Also, it starts with Armstrong flushing the toilet. And then while, yeah. he's just like, yeah, I was just taking a dump. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, he tries yeah. really hard to make those PTSD shakes seem uh, seem genuine. Yeah, that, that's yeah. true. Too. God so, bless him. This is uh, what I mean about the freaking hands. The hands also like destroy the, whatever type of illusion they're trying to create. We're going to send children into that hell. So, yes. 
the best part is after the the bathroom scene, which is actually pretty good. We get the amazing series of scenes of Ed going back home to get his arm replaced because it got destroyed, which is mm-hmm. a big, like, meaningful part of the anime. It happens over the course of, like, 20, 30 minutes, probably, mm-hmm. and seems completely unnecessary because no time passes between when he leaves and when he comes back. The way that they pace out these scenes is utterly absurd. And once again, they seem to forget the fact that alchemists can just draw a transmutation circle and perform alchemy without doing the clap thing. Like, that's a uniquely Ed Elric bit. Um, Well, they they do the thing that I always wondered. Why doesn't everyone just draw transmutation circles on gloves? That seems like a really useful thing. Well, yeah. Um, but, um, But also, I know. Ed returning to a symbol to get the arm fixed is very important. Why doesn't he take Al with him? Oh, right. It's because Al is all busted up and destroyed. Yeah. And Ed can't do alchemy without the hands. But hands. the thing Jake just said. Yeah. Uh. And then and then on top of that, the best part of this, we get some basically anything good about these scenes is cribbing directly from the anime. So I don't really want to praise the movie that much. But then Ed just, like, in the middle of it, takes, like, two vacations to completely different scenes while Al is still, you know, in goddamn pieces. Well, no, here's the thing. From the way the movie portrays it, Ed is gone, like, a day and a half. But yeah, that the whole can't be true. thing that doesn't can't make true. any sense. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, let's, let's get into going back to Risen Bowl because it's got my favorite couple of bits here. Their dog... Uh, Winry's dog is there and is completely CGI. And that no bothered me. You can literally find a dog with a pros- with a prosthetic limb. They I exist. Mean, like you could just put a freaking glove over a real dog with four legs. There's no reason to do that. You would just have to make the auto male leg rather than the entire dog and have it look stupid. <laughs> but- I, I want to thank who was ever in the costume department. Uh, something I thought about is, you know, I don't know if Japan has something similar, but you know how there is a lot of protections around animals, like a whole they lot have of other leaf. dogs in this. Oh, that even makes it worse. God damn it. You're <laughs> they right. They've got two <laughs> other completely real dogs. I know because I was surprised they were real animals when both of them showed up. Ugh. But um, no, I I want to personally thank the costume department, whoever was in charge of that, <laughs> and wanted to make the decision. Hey, we should make Winry's outfit in this scene completely anime accurate, where she's yes. got like the black skimpy tube top, and yes. just like this she's scene got the of her saying, top, and she's got the the um the like low waist pants, and I'm just like, like damn, Winry is hot. <laughs> like she was hot in the anime. What the hell? You have eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue. Winry in this, and then a, a few bits of Ed in this. I was enjoying it for completely, completely authentic reasons. <laughs> I'm just saying the completely in a, out of pocket like innuendo that they kind of both set themselves out for. No, because yeah. like the, there is some romantic tension when they are in the room together, and There's then Winry just goes like romantic tension when they're in the room together. It's beautiful. And then Winry's just like, hey, Ed, no, if you want my time, you're going to have to wait in line. And then opens the door to like a bunch of men. And we're just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you yeah, certainly Winry. do need to wait in line. 
Uh, but while Ed's waiting in line, he goes to visit his mother's grave, and there is ya boy Hohenheim. Yep, Man. he's just there. He's just there. This is a scene that's happening in this part of the story. He's just there, and also Ed reacts as if he's just there, like it's he doesn't <laughs> care. Uh huh. He's mildly pissed off because Dead beat Dad, but like there's no real reaction to it. He's not really <laughs> upset. He's like Dad. Uh, they act as if casually meeting is normal. Like. <laughs> Ah, uh, Trisha, why did you have to leave? Yeah, that was my question at the start of the last movie. She did just die immediately of some <laughs> unnamed illness. <laughs> mom illness, you know, it gets Anime. us all. Yeah, and Hohenheim's just there deciding I'm going to be a good dad for five minutes. And by actually be a good dad, I mean not at all. Well, he's, he's just like, oh, you're growing your hair out just to be like your old man. And then Ed undoes his ponytail. <laughs> like, okay. That is pretty funny. Okay. That is pretty funny. Okay, <laughs> my personal proclivities aside, I did think that that was an actually good character scene because it's the sort of like petty thing that Ed would do. Yeah, as, as that, long as you ignore the fact he's completely nonchalant about meeting his deadbeat dad. Like... Uh-huh. Well, I mean, we don't know necessarily up at this point. Like Hohen, like Hohenheim has made appearances. All of them super like. What oh, the hell? Was Hohenheim in the first movie? No, I don't think so. No, but I mean, like, oh, this is again me applying canon. But it's like Ed, Ed knows Hohenheim. Hohenheim knows that he hates him, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of like that tense. Like, I hate you, but I guess I'm tolerating your existence. Yeah, because because the people who made this movie only got a Cliff Notes version of the uh, of the actual source material instead of actually, I, you know, giving a damn about it. I mean, we're, we're at this point in the movie where I can kind of say my main gripe has been the last movie did the same thing where it like cut pieces out, but at least like wove an original narrative to like make sense of it. This seems to just be like people didn't like that we made up our own original story. Well, they clearly just want scenes thrown into a pile. Because that's what we got. And then they did the anime adaptation thing. Yeah. Uh, But um, so Hohenheim's entire thing is basically he does a real creepy like stalker watch and sleep. That was so cringe. He's just like, I'm watching you. I'm watching you while you sleep. Like he's he's watching his adult son sleep. Well, I guess. And it's like totally awake while this happens, which makes it worse. He's like, this is so weird. I I know you're watching me. <laughs> and and Winry's grandma, also completely nonchalant about Hohenheim being in the back in the picture, is actually very friendly to him. So like, take as many pictures as you want. It's good to be remember your family. I did just <laughs> abandon my wife to die. Yeah, take yeah. as many pictures as you want. Hey Pinico, you remember Xerxes? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up because it will be plot relevant next scene. <laughs> you guys are screwed, by the way. <laughs> there was literally no reason for this scene. Like looking back at the rest of the movie, he just goes, "Did you know what the next scene is? You need to go to Xerxes. You mean the place that's basically like an Atlantis? Like it? It just is a mythical city that got exploded? Yeah, the ruins. Also, this country's gonna die. I believe you." Then Ed shows up. I was awake and listening the entire time. So I need to go to Xerxes. That's what oh, your dad said. Ed? I will go oh, to Xerxes. Time Take to go to the next scene. And then, yes. and then Ed is in the desert on a camel. And again, the timeline does not track. The pacing of the scene is amazing. 
Because concurrently, we then cut back from Ed in the desert to Winry going, man, it sure is weird that Ed just left. <laughs> yeah, because we got to get the scene of the of the little uh, auto mail piece rolling onto her desk because they did that scene accurately for some inexplicable fucking reason. But again, whilst Ed is having his little adventure in the desert, neat, uh, I, I, I feel the need to remind I was still in literal fucking pieces. This is Shao Tucker all over again. It's important. I need to go on the journey to find myself, Jacob. Here's the thing. As we've established, I think what we can only assume is in the movie's canon. Xerxes is literally just down the street from yes. there. Which is even more bizarre because literally these Istvali people that like Ed has no recollection of existing are there. They're just down the street. They're just <laughs> down the street. Ed, Ed was too busy uh, playing in the field where his, his mom spontaneously died to ever go down the street and play with the other freaking kids. I don't know. Don't get me started on the fact that Central City has an entire, like, tent city of Ishvali refugees that are in the desert? Yes. <laughs> the deserts outside of Central City. I'm just saying FMA has a map, so I'm able to work that out. But this, this movie is, has that map. There's no map. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, the movie shows a, a canonical <laughs> map and none of it fits. Nope. Uh, but anyway, Edward it's, goes. It's, these, it's, it's the characters are using their power to teleport into and out of scenes that are uh, plot relevant. So Edward did his seven day trip into the desert. And uh, he's in an abandoned ruin. He sees a big old sign. He's like, hmm, that looks like a transmutation circle, but different. And then is immediately assaulted by refugees who go, ah, you're just like the, uh, you're on a Mestrian. A Mestrian. And he's just like, ah, well, we will kill you. But we won't, because we know that there are some good people who are Amestrians, too. Like the doctors who saved us when we were in the war. That's weird. My friend Winry Rockwell's parents are doctors. I said her entire name because, did you say the Rockwells? Oh my gosh. So then, uh, exposition grandpa and, uh... That's uh, a woman. That oh, is a grandma. This woman. Oh, oh I my said God. grandpa, goddamn. Oh my god, fucking exposition grandma and kid. Oh the 11 year old child who remembers the war nine years ago and yeah. he's like oh you mean their daughter Winry who, who I'm sure they talked about in depth you know I know her we, we yeah in all, in all fairness uh, I don't know when Winry's parents died during the civil war because the civil war lasted seven years so like yeah, they might have died near the end when her parents died she was like still a child-ish so there is a 16-year period. Like, she's like a child when they die, I thought. Yeah. So regardless, this 11-year-old child looks identical in the flashback. Yeah, yeah, funny uh, how, how that happens. God, I didn't even notice that at that point. I was too busy being flabbergasted it's, it's by everything huge. else. I'm just like, this timeline is not adding up. We already know the war happened like seven years, nine years ago. How does this kid know? He shouldn't know. Even if he was told, how would how would Windry have come up? I was too busy uh, being completely floored by the horrible dub acting. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that that took. Uh, a They're not great. Um, uh huh. 
But uh, I, yes, I am sorry, child. Yeah. So he gets an exposition dump, then goes out of his seven day journey into the desert in the, I guess, two hours. I, I guess this entire <laughs> trip took two hours because he just went into his backyard. Yeah, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that the Rockbell, that the Rockbell or Doctor Rockbell's daughter is just a a short trip down the road from this kid who remember (laughs) this eleven year old kid who remembers from nine years ago. That is really unfortunate that Winry's parents died in her backyard. (laughs) 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 These people that no one's ever met. No, because hold on, they're not even in Ishval. They're in Xerxes. Yeah, they're in a different desert. <laughs> oh, God. But Meanwhile, anyway. Al is still in pieces. And it doesn't matter because Ed does not go back to the Rockbell. So clearly he, he this was just a detour and goes back to Central because he finds out from the grandma that um, a man, I, he, the Rockbells were killed by a man with a huge scar, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Because they don't know he has a huge scar. He's covered in bandages. Yeah. Well, he had, a, he had a wound on his head that must have turned into a large scar, I you, guess. You know, you know it would be a much better indicator? His arm that's covered in tattoos. That's uh-huh. not what they mentioned. I think his, they do mention that, but that's like the third or fourth thing that they say about it. And it's not the thing Ed latches on to. Anyway, Ed's finally back in Central after like a fortnight. There's a serial killer on the loose. And and Al treats it as if he's been gone for like a like literally from the context of the movie. I think it's like a day and a half because Ed Mm -hmm. is gone for one night and then comes back. It's the next night they're in a hotel. He heals Al with alchemy now that he's got both his arms. And then goes, hey, by the way, Al, I ran into our dad and then says a second thing. And Al does not even acknowledge he met their dad. He's only (laughs) interested in the second thing. And I'm just like, okay, so Al, I presume, would care because he seemed to have a like better view of their father because he was younger at the time. But nope, nope. It's just uh, (laughs) going to ignore everything even acknowledge it's just like he doesn't have any questions or seem to care it's just like mm, i don't know no you saw hohenheim cool i guess okay uh it's not even dismissive he just flat out does not acknowledge and said that word recall like Mm -hmm. in the source material al is the most curious about their father because Mm -hmm. he doesn't remember him but ed is just like no he's a he's a he's a he's a jerk you don't Need to be as we established in the last movie, Alphonse is barely a character in these things. Yeah, yeah, that is the truth. Yeah, no, no. What's more important we, is we got to keep constantly talking about the fact that Scar is the one who killed Winry's parents. Oh my god! We need to yeah. Keep saying that as often as possible because it's not like Winry is going to teleport into a relevant scene at any point. We're just going to oh. keep bringing it up. Also, as we established in that scene where Winry is just going like, oh, man, Ed's in the backyard. I forgot to give him this screw. Well, better go to Central so I can give him a good screw. Yes. <laughs> All the innuendo. Yes. Okay. All of it. Okay, I appreciate the innuendo, but the screw literally never fucking matters. It never comes it, up. because It never comes point, up. It's a plot point in uh, the anime and manga that they don't do. 
Because it's a movie, they don't have time to fucking bother no, with no, it. No, Jake, it's a plot point in the anime and manga that came up last movie. Yeah. In, in all fairness, it did, they did the exact same scene last movie, now that you mention it. But um, his arm does malfunction in the fight with Scar. It just doesn't matter because Winry shows up again and mm-hmm. his arm is then better. Oh my god. Also, we skipped over the fight with Scar because it's it's literally just more it's the set same piece. Fight again. It's the yes. same set pieces you already saw. It's and more then explosions, it's, whatever. Then, cool. As as I have mentioned to my cast members before, this is this is a movie that has an hour-long fight scene basically with Scar <laughs> that culminates at this point. Except you might notice we're only like an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I also like the part where um, uh, Ed and Al's bodyguards show up and uh, uh, immediately get killed. Uh, we're, we not, to- we're not going to even talk about the fact Scar murdered two people there. They, they're non-existent <laughs> entities, basically. Uh-huh. Their uh, bodies are in the sea. <laughs> where, where Winry, on the ground. Because what happens is Winry shows up as Ed. Uh, man, Scar is really talkative because Ed has tricked him twice by saying like, Scar, we're going to stand arm's length apart while I just ask you questions. And I'm like, Scar, you have really good speed and you literally just need to touch him and he dies. Mm -hmm. Why? Why answer any questions? (laughs) Because we need to talk about the fact that Scar is the one who killed Winry's parents because it's not like Winry is going to teleport into a plot relevant scene or anything. I love yeah, the the El- the Elric brothers agreed. Okay, we don't tell Winry this. It would be too emotionally painful for her. And then we're in the middle of this fight with Scar, and Ed's like, "Scar, did you kill the Doctor's Rock Bell?" <laughs> and meanwhile, Al looks down the alley to see Winry approaching. He's like, uh, "Ed." <laughs> my favorite, my favorite part is. Scar's reaction to that is legitimately, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know the names of anyone I've killed. Like, no, 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 no. My favorite part, my favorite part is how Winry got in this scene. Because Winry showed up in Central to deliver the bolt to Ed, right? To, deliver, right. To, to screw Ed. And she's wandering around town like, where do I find the full metal alchemist? There's the throwaway the, piece of dialogue. <laughs> there are random citizens in a market somewhere saying, wow, did you hear about the fight across town where the full metal alchemist is fighting the serial killer who's killing the state alchemists? Wow, that's intense. Things Thank sure you, have everybody. gotten hectic. Things Thank sure you. have gotten hectic and central lately. I hate it when that happens. It sure ah. is lucky that one of the ten people in this street could be having a conversation relevant to your needs. <laughs> I hear they a bunch have- of guards are heading that way to get killed as red shirts. Look, they don't have televisions to have plot relevant uh, news broadcasts. <laughs> There's a need- way to do it, though. Yes, but that would that would require it being a competently made fo- uh, I- film. I, I also love how at this point it's established that the entire military has just established that like anyone fighting Scar is a lost cause. Like, no, he'll just die. He's just killing everyone single hand. Where like how Scar worked in the anime is he's like a stealth assassin who's like coming out and like sneakingly grabbing people. This Scar just walks through broad midday streets having giant battles and is just like. Nothing can stop me. Dead, 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 dead. 
Well, you also have to remember the uh, the Amestrian military is a bunch of fucking losers in this universe who are completely incompetent to a degree that is honestly hilarious. <sighs> but, These um, are the people that committed genocide against an entire ethnicity. So here, here's the thing. Committing genocide is not hard. It just <laughs> requires being a monster because low key, you are murdering civilians for most of it who aren't fighting back. That's mm-hmm. why it's a genocide. You just want to do it and have the capacity to do so and boom it happens funny how that happens oh as i don't know if we'll talk about it when we talk about the flashback that takes up the rest of this movie but um <laughs> the fact that um hughes and mustang are the only two soldiers who are like the genocide's done they're like we killed a lot of people that that weren't even fighting back we just did a lot of murder and everyone was like yeah we won yeah, yeah was that like, was that was very deliberate i have to say they're the only ones who probably have the bathroom memories yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, anyway we we, we are, we're kind of getting off your topic here Scar is basically just me yeah i killed those doctors and then winry's stops and then al's just like no stop winry's right here and it's just like and it's just like oh no and then she falls starts crying and then everyone just stops to watch her cry for like literally a full minute before she's like there's a gun right here that's why those soldiers died so there could be a gun for winry to use and i'm I'm just looking at that prop gun i see the trigger is already completely pulled back but the hammer is still cocked i'm like well that the gun's either broken or plastic and it's it's obviously plastic. So. <laughs> so all the tension of Ed trying to talk Winry down is. Useless. The scene goes on forever, too. It goes it's, on forever. It's just constantly like, you don't want to become a murderer. A murderer is someone who commits murder and you can never come back for that. And Scars also is like, shut up, Ed. I know your name now because I'm paraphrasing you, girl. I'll only respect you killing me, but if you don't kill me in one yeah. shot, then you will be my enemy, and I will have to defend myself from you. And, and the beautiful moment is Scar goes to kill Winry, and <laughs> leaps in the way to defend her, and he happened to strike the exact same pose that Scar's brother did during the... During the genocide. Oh, can we talk about the fact that he did the one parkour stunt he was capable of? of it was so hopping, dumb. He oh hopped up God. on the wall, kicked off the wall, and that was a continuous shot. But then we get a downward facing camera, a very clearly a different run of him flipping in the air to downward <laughs> high five scar. Yep. And then he grabs the gun with his hand. And this is the point I'm seeing, like, the trigger has been completely pulled back. And I'm like, oh, shit, did Winry shoot him in the hand? No, that would that would be actual drama. It was just he's holding a gun by the barrel. You know, the yeah. smart thing to do. <laughs> so and, and at this point, at this point is when uh, we are via flashback exposition dumped Scar's entire backstory uh, so so that we can see that he's really a complicated and interesting antagonist and not just a dude that well, puts his it, hand on people's it, face and they die. Except his well, backstory well, literally is I my family was killed. Now I also commit murders like 
Well, well, Jake, we get that after Scar has this moment of you remind me of my brother. I'm going to leave now as he blows up a wall in this alley, which opens up into a broad street. No, yeah, the fact the wall just disintegrates into a, like, a public a market. This wall was clearly just there to separate this alley from a broad market. Why? <laughs> even though it's clearly a wall that is made up of adjoining buildings. Uh, <laughs> oh god. Uh, and then and so then uh, this, slightly this, better this, than last time CGIL lumbers after him. So uh, th- this uh, is where things get really confused because yeah, it become and- it becomes this long drawn out blunder of chaos across central where the Elrics are chasing scar but they're also getting winry out but also the Jingies are here but also the homunculi are here oh my god yeah there is this is this is the height of characters will literally just teleport into and out of scenes that mm-hmm. for, for plot relevance yeah because the the side story that's been happening that isn't very well explained, but we did skip a few scenes of Ling Yao showing up to be like, I'm hunting a homunculus because they are immortal and we have found them. And like the first time Scar escaped, they were also in the sewers coincidentally and ran into homunculi there. And then Scar found out he can't just insta kill envy and gluttony. And then that's a whole thing. Oh, geez. Mm-hmm. And, um, Really, we're at the halfway point of the movie, and we're honestly at a point the movie could have ended. I am so, somehow both too drunk and not drunk enough. Like, th- this is the point where they, they defeated Scar, except he ran away. But, it, like, you got the conclusion to, a, like, a thing of, like, Winry deciding she's the not going to arc, kill him. Yeah. They then double dip into that exact same feeling later, and I'm pissed off about it. But it it felt mm-hmm. good here, even though I felt the scene went on for too long. Let's take a break. <laughs> that seems like a good idea. I could really use one. Okay. We will be right back. After uh, this word from our sponsors. <laughs> uh, okay, I need water. BRB. Yeah. Jeez. Okay, we're back for, I'm going to be honest, we're probably going to fail at summarizing this because holy crap, does the movie just devolve into a spaghetti mess of... Everyone is in a quantum superposition. Everyone is on the verge of tears, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, we're going to we're going to fail at retelling uh, uh, the sequence of events because the movie fails at the initial telling of the sequence of events. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like an anthropologist piecing together a, a saga of ancient lore <laughs> that has only survived in fragments over the millennia. I mean, that's kind of how this movie was made, isn't it? Basically. So, so basically... I think the best way to summarize this as in the modern day, what is happening is Ling Yao has set up a plan to capture a homunculus to take back as his proof of immortality because lo and behold, he's a prince. I forget when that's like announced, but it's very clear initially because it's when he sneaks into the window and steals their sandwiches. But it doesn't matter because his two servants in the train call him my lord. So like. 
He's clearly something. I mean, he could be a noble, but they realize that, oh, he's more than just some rich dude. He's like a prince in line for a throne in the East. Yeah. So his his whole thing is he's getting a proof of immortality to bribe the emperor to favor his clan, but he will then be immortal. So he'll use that clout to then take an army and kill the now immortal emperor. Explained in not 30 seconds by a crazy man would probably make sense. But we have what we have. Look, we can do a synopsis of Sekiro later. Fair. But basically <laughs> what's going on in modern day is Ed and Al are going around being big, boastful heroes to lure out Scar because what will happen when Scar and Ed fight is the homunculus will come because they don't want Ed to die because he is essential human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So they're doing this entire thing as an elaborate thing to get the homunculi to appear and then be captured. The problem I- is, while that's very clear, it is like constantly spaced out with flashbacks. Oh, yeah. Uh, There there are so many cases where like they'll just stop and flash back. Uh, I think I think this is after the thing with the water tower that happens, because that's that's something I distinctly remember there being a water tower at some point. But um, Mm -hmm. and Hawkeye actually hit someone with a bullet and it's someone with plot armor. She she shoots Scar in the leg. So Hawkeye has officially shot someone. The movie can end now, right? No, we're still going. Okay. (sighs) Scar limps off, finds May. She uses her purification rites is what it's called in this. I thought it was alkahestry, but I'm I'm sure that's just a translation thing. It's it's supposed to be alkahestry. I'm sure there's a reason for it, but whatever. Um, And again, because she's not a child in this, it's just a scene (laughs) of her healing a serial killer. Like... Mm -hmm. She uses her weird foreign medicine to heal this weird foreign killer. <laughs> uh, well, um, it is the other um, the other thing that I love about this entire sequence is um, uh, Hawkeye is explaining the backstory plot to uh, to Ed to now. Ed. <laughs> and no, just to Ed, just oh, to Ed, yeah, just to Ed. As she's, and- as she's sadly cleaning her gun. <laughs> Yeah, and um, the, there's there's the uh, there's the great moment of uh, Vegeta bridged. How did you know about the parts you weren't there for? <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, so they're gonna cut to Scar telling the story in parallel to May, right? They wouldn't be so no. fucking incompetent that they wouldn't do that because that's obviously what they're doing. They didn't cut that scene in editing, did they? Oh yeah, no, they, they cut that scene in editing. They cut that scene in editing. How did you know about the parts you weren't there for, Hawkeye? Technically, Hawkeye could see the entire thing because that entire flashback. She's she's in a sniper tower watching it, but it's still dumb because she can't hear the conversation they're having. Uh huh. The the entire like Ishvalan Civil War flashback is triggered by Hawkeye and Ed talking. Except there are clearly points that's supposed to be Scar talking to May, but we never get any establishing shots of that. So we have simultaneously um, Mustang and uh, Hughes backstory. 
Mustang and Hughes going, isn't this genocide campaign a little too risky? And Hawkeye shooting some guys trying to fucking stab them. And also Scar's backstory of going to his brother like, brother, the Amestrians are coming. I developed alchemy and tattooed it on my arms. Why are you using the enemy's power? The fucking Amestrians are coming. We're leaving now. And then Kimberly shows up like, I'm evil and blows them up. He literally gets no explanation. He has no they explanation. Don't, he doesn't get even, a name. He doesn't get anything. He's just a dude who explodes shit. Did Sam and I put the... Sam and I put the name. Yeah, they don't name him. Sam and I put the closed captions on, which are pretty hilarious. Cosmic explosion. (laughs) They don't fucking name him. Fucking Lord Explosion Master. That's what his name is. Solf J. Kimbley, one of the most important characters in the manga, doesn't get his fucking name said. I yep. mean, I mean, Lord Explosion Murder would actually probably be a good name for the genocide guy. But yeah, that, that is what he is. But still. And this is interspersed <laughs> with like weird, like setting up the plan scenes and like, but it's weird because the flashbacks take like five, ten minutes. Like it, they're you, really for, long. you forget you're in a flashback because it's. It's like, not a flash. It's just movie, a back. It's because this movie becomes more about the the um the Ishvalan the uh, Ishvalan genocide, and like the the modern day part is supplemental to that. And it's just like you're watching a different movie. It is. It is an unwatchable blockade of exposition. I can only presume because they were too embarrassed of the actual finale of this movie. They needed to put a roadblock to filter oh, people out. There, there's a scene where Ed or where um, Alphonse finds the panda and is mm-hmm. interacting with the panda only because they must have at some point realized they needed more of the panda but didn't want to show the panda interacting with people because they never really figured out how to get it to climb on people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we need to make the two CG characters interact because we need to put Al and May in the same scene so their ship thing can happen. And they, the movie so does fucking not make t- it a ship thing. I know. I'm just, I'm just so fucking tired. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like a- anyway, at some point they captured Gluttony, tied him up in a ball, and put him in. It's a, well, oh no, we forgot. Fuhrer King Bradley fights. <laughs> yeah, we forgot to mention this during Fear the whole capture. King Bradley. Yeah, Fuhrer President, President King Bradley. It's during the, the absurdity whole, of it. <laughs> during the whole capture a homunculus plot line. Okay. Fuhrer President King Bradley shows up and starts fighting Lanfan and Fu. And it's like, ha, I'm actually a homunculus. I'm going to kill you now. Let and me Lang- just reveal this extremely sensitive information to you so that the characters can learn about this significantly sooner than they should. <laughs> so... He Lang- takes off his eye patch so that he can fight him, except he didn't need his eye patch off to fight him. <laughs> because he was already stronger than them without the eye. But 
we have to show off that he's got the Ouroboros on his fucking eye. So oh okay. my God. they also do an entire thing where they spend so long introducing um, King Bradley's son for uh-huh. him to not matter. Like it's a, the, the plot point he's there for is like when they are like, well, he can't be a homunculi. He has a child. Despite the fact the movie has not told you why they can't have children. They just expect mm-hmm. you to take that sign on. They can't have children. They can't have children, children. But Salim is adopted. <sighs> it literally doesn't matter. <laughs> like there are ways to obtain children. You do not always have to have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's like, they go through so much effort to set up Celine. You'd think by the end of the movie they would point out that he's pride, but they don't. They're, they're saving it for part two because this, this movie is clearly part one of part two. Uh, anyway, uh, Wrath, Fuhrer King Bradley, Fuhrer President King Bradley, uh, chases off Ling and Lanfan. Uh, Lanfan does the whole thing of cutting off her arm. Uh, and tying it to a dog to uh, a real dog. dog. The only dog in this movie that is not Envy, because we get another dog that gets a shuriken <laughs> thrown through it, and thankfully it turns out to be Envy, because uh-huh. I would have laughed even harder if they just killed a dog thinking it was Envy. <laughs> oh, we d- we haven't mentioned how all of the Xingyis can sense that the homunculi have multiple souls in them, despite that never being explained about the nature of the alchemist stones or their alkahestry, letting them sense that. I mean, I kind of put, I kind of figured because the fact they had alkahestry that it had something. Okay, I, I fell subject to Orientalism. So I'm just like, they can totally <laughs> sense that. No, no, yeah, the movie also. The movie also expects you to just go, they're from China. They can do crazy magic. Uh-huh. The, the, the movie wants you to fall subject to the Orientalism and just kind of assume that the people from the East can do weird mystic shit. The other, the other fun thing that I find uh, that I, I only just realized is um, we mentioned earlier uh, at the very beginning how the uh, these movies... Uh, are like you could watch them independently and that's why Roy Mustang gets an entire ass introduction scene that is honestly longer than it should be um but yeah they never establish anywhere in this movie that the homunculi have multiple souls that was only ever mentioned in the previous movie when they explained how alchemist stones worked yeah uh in this movie it is not mentioned that they have multiple souls until didn't you know the mystical people from the east can do magic shit and notice the multiple souls that we didn't tell you about (sighs) so no matter how you slice it it still works Oh, God, where even are we? Because the whole flashback is happening mm-hmm. interspersed with all of these scenes to varying so, degrees. And it's just so I, I wanted to point out that alchemy is alchemy, that gluttony is tied up in a ball in a doctor's office. The same doctor who uh, yeah, fixed up Lanfan, the, the doctor who fixed up Lanfan's arm after the amputation. It's kind of implied they already know who he is. I don't know who this guy is. I I, I don't either. Doctor is. But my favorite part of this scene was I don't know. I didn't want. I watched the dub, so I I can only imagine the voice actress. And I, I really hate beating down on this, but 
got the notes of like, oh, I'm a woman in a hospital bed. Cool. I know exactly what sound effects to do. And then proceeds to do like giving birth sound effects. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's, yep. Keep breathing. I guess you're having Mm -hmm. convulsions. No, you're having your arm sewn shut. Like, yeah. And and there's a whole scene with Mustang going to see tied up Gluttony and Gluttony being like, hey, that's the guy that killed Lust. I am now activating rage mode. I now come, have superpowers. Come back in 15 minutes. Well, no, no, I now have extra superpowers. <laughs> Not that they mm-hmm. established the first ones either, but still. I was about to say, Gluttony's only powers so far have been being in a fat suit. Because <laughs> every fight in this movie, he's been told you can't eat the people you're fighting because they're all special. They're important. But anyway, we've had the entire flashback. We've had Kimberly blowing up uh, Scar's brother. We've had Scar getting his brother's arm grafted on via alchemy. Man, these edibles ain't shit. What is going on? <laughs> we've uh, had we've had Scar freaking out and killing the rock bells. Hey, by the way, there are those Ishvalans who witnessed this. It's we've exposition, had, grandma and uh and, and boy. The, uh, and the uh uh three-year-old nine uh three-year-old eleven-year-old. Yep. <laughs> and then we've also had Ling Yao jumping out of a sewer to shove a grenade down Gluttony's throat. Mm-hmm. Because you're you're supposed to assume he died. It sets it up like you're supposed to think he died, but only. It's very unclear. He comes out without mm-hmm. a shirt. He comes out from the sewer without a shirt on and shoves a grenade down Gluttony's throat. Gluttony explodes and he's just like, Ed, wrap him in wire. Done. I now okay. realize this happened before the surgery scene we just described. <laughs> anyway, the most important part is we've seemingly got everything under control. So Ed and Al can go hunt Scar, right? They somehow find Scar at the warehouse where he's been recovering from his injuries with the help of May. And they go and confront him. There's a fight scene. Ed calls Scar's whole bluff of destroying the floor to fall away from trouble, which is how he and Ed are able or he and Al are able to catch him. And then Scar's like, you think I destroyed only one floor and the whole fucking warehouse collapses. I was about to say the whole nine floors of this four story building collapse beneath them. (laughs) The whole ass building fucking collapses. Tons upon tons of concrete and rubble fall on these three men. All of them survive. All of them are basically unharmed. Yeah. The fight scene continues, and then Winry runs in from an undamaged hallway. Yep. She just teleports into the scene because it's plot relevant. In all fairness, they do justify it by going, you brought her Mustang? I could have, I had to. She was very convincing. I'm Mustang here because- wasn't, Mustang wasn't <laughs> even dealt in on this. 
No, see, they distracted you. You were so confused why Winwick was there. You didn't even bother to ask why Mustang, why was, Mustang there. was there. Yeah, because Mustang, Mustang and Hawkeye teleported to the fucking scene, too. But they're there to explain why Winry's there. So problem solved. Yes, everyone now firmly understands why everyone is there. Yes. <laughs> Except for Sam, obviously. I'm in, <laughs> I am in significant pain. So anyway, the, the big emotional crux of this movie happens where Ed has, Again. has yes, has fused <laughs> Scar's arm in like concrete and rebar to a thing. And he is stuck there. He can't do his destructive arts. And Winry comes up to him and Scar is just like, OK, I'm captured. If these people are going to kill me, I want it to be you, girl. You're the only person whose revenge I actually think is valid because I I killed innocent people that happen to be your family. This is my worldview. You have a right to kill me. I want you to do it. And Winry was just like, nah, I'm, uh, my, my parents were doctors. They healed you. They would want a sick person to be healed. And he's just like, oh, so you're going to let me go? Oh, hell no. I don't forgive you for what you did, but like, I'm not going to kill you. Which is compelling in the anime because it's a discussion of like forgiveness and morality and, and the, the cycle of revenge that the, the movie cycle. really tried really hard to establish oh, and yeah. fucking failed at. Scar's master is the most brown faced character. By the way. <laughs> because he's the he's the old kung fu master on the mountain who's like the cycle of revenge is detrimental to your spiritual growth, my child. It's, it's like so bad. It's like Dude, <laughs> you are the most brown-faced man here. <laughs> it's so fucking, it's so cringy. And then again, you know, it's like they're, they're uh, the, the thing with Winry. There's like the bones of a somewhat decent scene there, except that the movie hasn't established any of these emotional stakes, except right before they're literally uh, what is being explained. <laughs> Oh, my favorite part is Scar has this entire thing. He's like, I'm not going to acknowledge your question. It is a fact that I killed two doctors named Rock Bell. Anything else I say will be an excuse. It's like, that sounds like what you're trying to do is say there was a justification for it. You're just being noble and taking it. But we've seen what happens. You got mad and stabbed both of them. Like. Okay, is this before or after he's given the talk by the other Ishvalan like mentor type figure who's just like after. you were I, this I, is I, after. I genuinely yes. don't know when that talk happened. So essentially like, he was given a talk of like, listen, I get it. You're angry, you're vengeful. You can't continue to carry on like this. So mm-hmm. I took this response as his kind of like acknowledgement of that. He's just like, I have no explanation that will be satisfactory to you i acknowledge that i'm i'm rage he literally says i'm full of gar i'm garbage i know i'm full of rage and hate it can't be justified in any way so i'm gonna stick to the facts of yes i did kill your parents that is true you deserve that is that's what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be him accepting his guilt and you know like externally, they don't know that, but like mm-hmm. that's his admission of like, yeah, I'm, I'm a, mom. I did kill your parents. Nothing I say will justify that. Even if I were to truly explain, I had a rage fit. I was just angry at anyone who was, you know, oppressing my. Amestrian. 
Yeah. So I'm just going to tell you the facts. I did kill your parents. You are fully justified in getting your vengeance. Mm-hmm. Yes, but the way it goes about it comes off as just, as very. Ex- it comes off as extremely empty. Yeah, no, the, because the, we've had months so, of anime to build this up. No, yeah, no I, I, here's the thing: you could do this right in a movie. You could do this right in the amount of time they took for the scene. They didn't. They just waste time with not important things. Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly what I was gonna say. They pay lip service, and like this is actually like where they where they go into the backstory of Scar's brother. Um, because I found this hilarious at the time, but this is actually a really serious writing flaw. Um, like uh. It's entirely paying lip service. It's like, oh, Scar has a brother. We will now show you the entire brother's uh, backstory in a flashback after we have established this plot point. That makes it okay, right? No! (laughs) There's a certain way you're supposed to establish these things in advance. When the world is covered in negative thoughts, negativity gathers. But we can also gather positive thoughts, and positivity will gather. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. (sighs) And that is portrayed as a flashback of like a prominent moment in this character's life. You know, a callback to a previous scene. It's the first time we've heard this because everything this movie does is payoff with no buildup. It is. It's coming with no foreplay. Sam. I'm sorry, but just like, I can't think of a more visceral way to describe it. It is reaching the conclusion without any of the work to get there. And the, and the work is the point. The point is that we have had all of this time to build up these characters, these plots, these themes, these ideas that all culminate in a moment where we can collectively go ah, yes, this is what it's about. This is the culmination of this. It is satisfying for that reason. They just skip right to the satisfaction, and it's so aggravating. It's so aggravating because it's couched within the skin of a series that did the actual way you're supposed to do it so well. That put in the work. Yeah, no. And I mean, like, in a lot of ways, I think as as hilarious as I found this movie for all of its like bad movie funny, I think there is something to be said about this is like the quint like like there there's a there's a negative stereotype uh, for anime movies. It's the entire, you know, bit that we're doing this month. Um, but it's like this is this is actually a really good example of why that is the stereotype of movies like this. Because what this movie spent time doing was playing out the uh, scenes that are remembered by the fans and then doing the conclusions without any of the setup. The things that they're faffing about, the, the time that they're wasting is by pulling on iconography that isn't relevant to the story they're telling. You need to rearrange a story like like you can tell a story like full metal, like, like you can tell the core of full metal alchemist over the course of, you know, one to three movies, however you organize it, but you have to tell it in a way that fits a movie's story structure. Mm-hmm. You can't just play scenes from the anime and then do the big epic moments at the end, you know, without any of the buildup. 
And it's like, we know epics like this can be faithfully recreated into movies. Lord of the Rings exists. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about The Hobbit today. I'm, <laughs> I'm, a- I'm angry enough. But yeah, uh, so we get we get. Uh, I was going to say, Sam, you seem really angry that the scene even exists. Like so angry, you would just want to maybe shoot disintegration blast all through it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you really do be talking sense here, mate. <laughs> I'm uh, so hungry, hungry for destruction. Literally. The last time we saw um, Gluttony was literally like Mustang killed, lost, and he's in his little ball of wires. Netflix and then we just, killed FMA. And then we, okay, Netflix <laughs> didn't make this. They just produced this movie. But That was all that came to mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and it, just Gluttony appears out of nowhere in yeah. the doorway. Gluttony teleports into the scene. Yes, that's how this movie works, especially near the end. And opened up his big old eye and is just like killed Glust. And now he can shoot disintegration. He can now shoot disintegration beams. Uh-huh. Uh, Which and then, oh, yeah. they dodge in such a stupid way. <laughs> and then there's a whole big thing about how um uh winery is left on her own and of course what happens is scar comes to her aid and stops gluttony is just like no go i don't deserve to live and winery's just like cool will do and leaves because that makes sense for her character (laughs) (laughs) because again even just watching this movie this dude has murdered like 12 people (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because they're because they're cribbing from superior source material. Uh, one of the things that's established in in this uh, plot arc is that um, not seeking revenge is not the same as giving forgiveness, and that you can do one without the other following. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, not that the movie establishes that. Also, Mustang gets a scratch on his leg that looks very minor compared to what we've seen characters get inflicted within this, but everyone treats it as if he's now like an invalid and needs to be carried off the field. And it's like, okay, well, he needs to leave now. Yeah, they like uh, shove him in a car and everything. Like, <laughs> yeah, the main, the main character has to leave so that we can, uh, that we can bore the side characters, I guess. Cause yeah, um, don't say sec- it like that. You're right, but don't say it like that. The second Mustang leaves, it's now Ling Yao, Edward, Alphonse, and Gluttony, and then a horse jumps over the fence, and it's a CGI horse. So when it then immediately turns into envy, you're like, oh no! <laughs> Everything, everyone. And envy I'm makes him. Not- a- I'm not entirely convinced that the uh, the real uh, the uh, the the dog that the arm got tied to and uh, the the CG dog with the auto mail wasn't also envy. He's he's every or there every other animal in this movie. This replaces the Dio meme. <laughs> <laughs> it was me. envy. <laughs> oh, but anyway, there's a very confusing back and forth where envy's just like you can't eat them. Father will be mad. Oh, also, there was a scene where father showed up, but literally nothing came of it. Father and showed up for f- 
father showed up for 45 seconds to be like wrath why'd you let them get away wrath and wrath is like i'm sorry i'll get him next time damn right you'll get him next time wrath and, and, and you get a view of the back of his head which is enough to know he's a blonde man but not enough to know that he looks like hohenheim yes <laughs> so it it really means nothing like it's because because again, th- this movie, this movie is relying on FMA fans being gullible enough to think which any like it's the sequel. I don't know why they think they'd be able to fool anybody. But it, it's it's assuming a, a level of knowledge from, you know, having seen the source material. But anyway, gluttony is like, oh, father will be mad. Better only vor the one guy I can eat, and he's gonna shoot his vor beam at Ling Yao. Um, and Ed jumps in the way and like <laughs> grabs him to pull him out, and then Gl- Envy is just like, "No way, you can't eat him!" and like gets in the way, and then they all just get vored in the widest berth I've seen this beam do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny that. <laughs> And then it's just Al and Glut- Gluttony's on the ground because he's now having a little panic attack because he's like, oh, no, I ate Envy and I ate the human sacrifice. I am in so much trouble. And he's basically just crying. And you see Alphonse just punching the ground going, like, they're all gone. And I tell you, if the credits had just started rolling, yes. this would be my favorite movie. ending. <laughs> There we go. It's a cliffy. It wraps it up. There's Owl no punching the ground and gluttony waddling away. In all fairness, I would have respected the movie more if it had done that too. But it didn't. <laughs> so Cause, well, because because there's another scene of them waking up in gluttony's stomach and just meeting each other. That does nothing. Would have been a great opening to the next movie. And it's Envy's got to show them that they're a dragon. Yeah. Also, the blood they're in is CGI. Yeah. They couldn't dye water red. They they couldn't do anything practical. They are in CGI simulated water. I'll show you something good before you die. Envy says as he turns into the ugliest monster I've ever seen. Not in the sense of it being hideous. In the sense of the CGI is that bad. <laughs> I have 100%ed every from soft game. This is the ugliest fucking monster I've ever seen in my goddamn life. <laughs> and then because obviously if you're still watching this movie at this point, you're a fucking moron. There's a giant to be continued that comes up on the screen. <laughs> There's a giant to be continued after Ling saying this is really bad, isn't it? Oh my God. You know what, Ling? Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I stole that joke from Jeff, though. <laughs> all in all, I'd say the movie's a five out of ten. I would give it a two. <laughs> but we, don't, we don't do that on this show. Yep. Um, so. Uh, I'm, I'm just skipping past every because it's like a favorite character, favorite fight. Who the fuck cares? No, no, Would you it, watch it, more? It, it's out of our hands. We're going to do part three because uh, we hate ourselves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like what? what I, I forget what our discussion questions even are for these. 
Uh, but like, that's a good point. I just this movie wasn't good. <laughs> it really wasn't. Just like this movie is two hours long, and realistically. There's a lot of the flashbacks that are duplicates. You could have cut some. You could have reorganized them to maybe be a lot more in the beginning. Like, I bet you could have cold opened with, like, Scar as a child. Would have probably been a good bit. Because I don't think you need the fight with the Silver Alchemist. No, you don't. Not at all. Because what that sets up is him being a serial killer, which Mm -hmm. if that's the direction you're going in, you would make a bunch of different decisions. I say you start off with him as a little kid and then just show someone's been murdering people and then have the fights. There is... Because then it it, it establishes ambiguity about about Scar's character, which -hmm. is something that the manga and anime does and something that the movie thinks it does. But it only establishes that there's anything to his character after he's already murdered on screen at least four people. There is so many moments in this where it's like... You could have woven this into any other scar scene. It could have been elegant. It could have been a flowing narrative of a uh, traumatized war orphan existing in a cruel world that doesn't accept him. So he lashes out however he can. It could have been that at any point. Instead, it is 50 minutes of scar being an unrepentant murderer and then. 10 minutes of oh don't you feel bad backstory followed by another 25 minutes of hey you feel bad right feel bad Uh, i'm gonna be honest right now thinking back on it even though he's probably my favorite part of the movie i think you could have cut ling yao and his entire plot Oh, absolutely. you absolutely could have. Um, we we literally didn't even mention the point where Ling Yao, Lan Fan, and Fu chase uh, the homunculi into the sewers, and they well, that get scene in a, does just kind of end. <laughs> yeah, there's a scene where the Xingyis, the homunculi, and Scar all face off in the sewers, and I actually said this while I while Jake and I were having our screening that I actually thought this was a good a good bit of lighting because the Xingyis are in bright light, the uh, homunculi are in darkness, and Scar is in half-light, you know, showing heroes, villains, anti-hero. And then Scar slaps his hand into the ground, there's a blast of lightning, and cut to a wide shot of the outside of the entire sewer system collapsing. Okay. It's never brought up again. <laughs> it's never brought up again. Besides Ling saying, wow, sure is lucky we survived that fight, huh? Would have liked God. to have seen that. And I mean, not for nothing. It, I, I think I think our, our uh, sort of uh, we're, we're wandering in and out of discussion scenes like the characters in this movie. Not for nothing. I think that there's a pretty good argument to be made that Scar should have been the main character of this movie. It should have mm-hmm. been a movie about Scar. Like that's definitely not that's not definitely not a direct adaptation of Full Metal Alchemist, but it would definitely make this a better movie. But it would have been a good adaptation. It would have been a good adaptation. It would have been Scar as the protag, Kimberly as the antag, and the Elrics as side characters. Here's the thing. I think you could even just have Kimberly remain in the flashbacks and have like the conflict with Winry. Like you you follow him with the like the Elrics and being like 
Oh, but then you've got to get him inside Gluttony, and that. Uh... But but that you do... don't have to though. You can just not do that. Like <laughs> this could just be a movie about Scar. Well, uh, they probably you know, already had the third movie deal in though. Is the thing. So oh, you've no, gotta, you got absolutely yeah. dead. Yeah. So and that's gotta... the reason. That's the reason why the whole thing's a mess. Because they're, they're not designed they... to make good movies. They're designed for for brand recognition. Oh, you know what? It's, it's because the they, they didn't know they were going to get sequels for movie one, and then they got contracted for movies two and three. So I, I think you could probably get away with introduce May as a minor character just so she can heal Scar. You get that kind of ambiguity of like, hey, you're using kind of alchemy. I don't want to deal with that. And then she introduces the fact that the jing princes and princesses are out there looking for the secret of history and then the like end cut is ed and scar getting shoved in wait no did scar get shoved into the no it's ed and gluttony and lang oh no it's ed envy and Lang. lang yeah get ed and envy inside of gluttony after the fight with scar and then inside is yao ming going like but Ling Yao, she's not Yao Ming. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Charles Barkley, shut up and jam inside Gluttony. Um, <laughs> no, and you get um, Ling Yao in there, and then the next movie he just explains that he was searching for immortality and one of the homunculi got him. Like, it's a fucking movie, it doesn't matter. Oh, like, th- that's good enough. <laughs> yeah, you, because, you know, it's like, not even a matter of cutting things, you need to reorder things mm-hmm. For it to fit the shape of a movie, there uh, the the way narratives are told in anime and uh, the way narratives are told in anime is different from how narratives are told in manga is different how from how narratives are told in movies. I, you know, again, it's not even a matter of cutting things; it's a matter of structure. So swapping things around is acceptable as long as thematically it's the same thing. That's you, what makes it an adaptation. Have you ever had a conversation with someone who tells you, like, I don't know why they'd ruin this book by turning it into a movie? You just the script's already written. You just film every single sentence, and I'm like, buddy, that would be a terrible movie. That would be like a terrible movie. How, how would that even work? You just have a narrator explaining like inner thoughts or like because um when dune came out people were constantly like oh it's terrible they don't have and i'm like yeah buddy a, a lot of like the first part of dune is a bunch of inner monologues about like what you're watching inner monologues suck in movies because mm-hmm. they're hard to follow because it's the character narrating something separate from what you're watching yeah and you have you have the visual language of it being audiovisual to tell a lot of the inner uh uh the inner monologue stuff yeah um but and, um and yeah that's yeah. that's the long and short of it yeah we're we're kind of rambling um mm-hmm. much oh, like oh, the movie yeah overall uh what'd you guys think of it short sentence <laughs> each sound good yeah uh, that works okay chase <clears throat> Oh, Sam, start us off. <laughs> <laughs> My short sentence is that uh, Jake can attest that at several points during this screening, I got up to go get more alcohol. So part of the course for a no read November. Yes. OK. <laughs> Jacob, can you attest to that? <laughs> I can, in fact, attest to that. That is factually what happened. It was hilarious. Um, as for a short sentence from me to sum up this movie. 
there were a lot of moments that were unintentionally hilarious. There were actually a few moments that were intentionally hilarious. And I didn't loathe my experience with it, but it's kind of like the last one. Probably just look up a compilation of the funniest moments and save yourself the uh, the hour and whatever 45 minutes it was. Uh, cool. Jay, what was uh, what was your short sentence opinion of this movie? Be consistent. Um, I found enjoyment, but not for what you would assume. (laughs) Not for what the movie wanted you to enjoy. I enjoyed it. I like watching bad movies. So what can I I say? (laughs) I also thought long hair, uh, loose long hair. uh, Ed was hot. (laughs) That was clearly the intent. But um, yeah, and then finally me, I got to say, comparing this to the first one, I think I preferred the first one because that one at least did something. It was stupid and it was weird, but it was at least unique in kind of a dumb way. This Mm. this takes no risk. It just shows people what they want to see. But like it's soulless. The other one had come zombies. Never, never forget the cum zombies. Because again, what it felt like was the first movie was trying to be like a broad swath of all of Full Metal Alchemist in one movie. Whereas this movie is very clearly trying to be Scar's arc. Seemed so. Is it fair to say that it seemed like the first one was, I don't know if they're going to fund a second one, so we need to get it all out now. And the second oh, yeah. one was like kind of like, okay, it seems this got some reception here. So now we can actually like expand upon the universe and everything. It's, Perhaps- it's- well, no, 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 no. The second, uh, uh, the second one was, hey, uh, we got enough funding for the second one. We can just coast and do literally nothing. It's It's got middle movie syndrome where the first one they did, they did everything they could in the first one because you don't know you have a sequel unless the first one does well. And then they got greenlit for two movies. So they're like, well, we don't want to waste everything in the second one. And we need a good conclusion for the third. And then the second one's just kind of like, cool. The climax of this movie was literally at the 45 minute mark. And then we had to watch another hour of movie. Like. (laughs) Yeah. But um, tune in for November 3, where we watch the final alchemy. Hey, hey, don't worry. It's the last one. It's the final alchemy. It says it in the title. Guys, 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 we have three more movies this November. Let's not promise we're ever going to do this again. (laughs) Again, I love critiquing bad movies because I find them very entertaining. Well, Jay, I'm glad you say that because our next subject, uh, aside from causing me pain, we are now going towards one of your uh, one of your babies. Why do you say that? <laughs> These are my children. The Bleach live action movie from 2018. That's what we're watching next week, baby. Yeah. Delightful. Uh, please kill me now. <laughs> I have seen this one. It is good. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe her just enough to not be scared. I mean, I mean take that with however. Good? Could it mean good? Or could it mean good as in a bad movie? 
So, as hey, always, <laughs> if you want to follow along, go ahead and watch the Bleach 2018 movie. As always, we are the Over Manga Cast. We can be reached on Twitter, Facebook, wherever good podcasts are found. Instagram. Uh, w- Instagram, www.overmangacast.com. You can drop a comment on the website or send it to overmangacast at gmail.com. We Wherever good love- podcasts can be found, and I don't know why we'd end up there. Excuse me. I am very happy with the quality of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just because the things that we review are garbage doesn't mean our podcast is garbage. Truth uh, spoken. Also, be are, sure to like, comment, and subscribe on our YouTube channel, where episodes go up two weeks after they go up everywhere else. And we already told you what we're watching next week, so I'm lost from our pattern. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. The outro will just teleport into the scene when it's plot relevant. No, because I have to do that. <laughs> buzz him up. Buzz him up. See you next week, folks. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Okay, that kind of devolved at the end, but that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. You know what? The movie we were reviewing. Like, that's just how it works. Yep. (laughs)